Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Peter Greenwood Show at the Edinburgh Fringe. My name is Peter Greenwood and I spoke to people who are performing at the Edinburgh Fringe. Simple as that. My guests today include Sarah Swire, who is one of my favourite human beings in the world, and Kieran Dowd, who is also pretty darn lovely as well. But we are starting with Naz Ozlomanov, whose name I still can't pronounce, but he taught me a pretty good way of remembering it. (laughs) Hello. Hello, Naz. Hello, Peter. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Very well. Very well, thank you. For those who don't know, this is Naz Oz, uh, Osmanilo. Osmanilo. It's very difficult. It's, yeah, Osmanilo or Osmanilo? Osmanilo. Rhymes Osmanilo. with Barry Manilo. So that's How the many way times did you get that when you were younger? Uh, I, 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 people actually uh, at gigs sometimes introduce me on stage as Barry Manilo because they forget my name. <laughs> and I always say it's like Barry, it rhymes with Barry Manilo. I've been... I've, Lots of audiences have been disappointed expecting Barry Manilow and some sweaty Turk turns up. <laughs> it's happened like 18 times. <laughs> Does Barry Manilow know you've raided his wardrobe? Yeah, every, he, now, every now and again he gets brought on as Nazos Manilow, so <laughs> that's fine. Tell me about your show, because we talked a little bit off air. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your show. Um, so I'm doing a one-man comedy Nordic noir thriller. Because I think the world needs more of them. <laughs> it's a character show. I really like Scandi Noir, mm-hmm. and I, I watch a lot of them. You know, The Killing, The Bridge, uh, Trapped. Trapped is actually Icelandic, which isn't well technically Scandinavian. But uh, there's loads of them. Borderlands. There's, there's is that so the many. Steve Larsen shows oh, the, the uh, Hornet's Nest. The, the, the girl who kicked the yeah. dragon tattoo out of the Hornet's Nest. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, yep. I haven't read those actually, but I've seen the films and the. I just really love it. It's really into it, and um, I was think, thinking a couple of years ago, oh, that might be a fun character. So I did a character in a sketch show. And it was just a two-minute character, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought, hmm, maybe I could just do this silly accent for an hour. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's uh, basically what this, this show is about. It's uh, an hour of Scandi characters, and it's got a ridiculous plot. And it's just taking the mickey out of all those tropes and sort of um, Scandi noir themes. Do you find the audience is responsive to that? Do they... Do they get it, for want of a better term? Yeah, well, I think I think it's quite um, it's quite well known in with in the public consciousness now. Um, so I think uh, people can quite happily poke fun at it and uh, enjoy just watching the uh, observations and the kind of characters that you see. And it's so big and silly and quite a physical show. So. Um, it's not, uh, it, it, I suppose it's coming at it from a slightly different way because it's quite clowny and it's very silly. I mean, it's not a serious show, uh, but it's really fun to do and very tiring. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just like sweating profusely because I'm wearing a bloody jacket for the entire, massive woolly jacket for the entire thing. So it's really hot, but I'm, re- I'm really enjoying it. And um, so far, audiences have been really lovely and uh, it, it's nice to have a bit of fun with the audience like that. So it's cool. Who is this character? Introduce him to us. What is his name? Detective Lars Johansson is his name. That's a name. Yeah. Lars Johansson. He speaks like this. Uh, <laughs> See, when La- Lars Johansson is on the case, you know it. Oh, shit's yeah. I mean, get yeah. Dumb. yeah they, they, that's, it's got to be Lars, hasn't it? Yeah. Lars is the best name, isn't it? And yeah, he's, he's really, he's just a hapless, has been sort of detective who gets everything wrong and is fumbling through the case and lots of things being thrown at him and he has no idea and uh, eventually he solves it and it's all it's all a bit fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
you wear an eye patch on stage as uh, well. Well, yeah, one of the characters uh, does have an eye patch, um, although uh, he may uh, he may die. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's yeah. There's, there's not there's not a lot of costume because it's just too it's 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 too sweat. It's practically too difficult. Yeah. Getting in and out of a of costume on stage is, is a nightmare. But um, they all kind of get inhabited in a different physical way and there's different voices and sort of different effects to kind of create a multi-character show with one person which is really hard yeah because it basically means i'm talking to myself for an hour yeah uh, which is weird uh, but uh, to be honest it, i tend to do that anyway yeah. so it's not it's not really too weird it's fine i found that both stand-up comedy and radio are the only two jobs in the world where you can talk to yourself and yeah. you won't get locked away yeah I mean, and i do that a lot um, I mean, I, I people catch me talking to myself all the time, but I think it's, I think a lot of people do it really, and it's fine. It's, it's. I mean, that's how I write. I just talk to myself. I can't sit down at a computer or get out a pad. I have to stand up, walk around using my boxer shorts, and start doing voices to myself. And um, then the postman arrives, and it's a bit awkward. But I mean, that's just how how it works. Well, if he's going to come to your house, he's got to be prepared for it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was doing a character show a couple of years ago, and the doorbell rang, and I think it was a Jehovah's Witness, and I was literally wearing a vest and boxer shorts, and I'd strapped a load of books to my feet to make myself taller. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave me the weirdest look. They're like, oh, no, I don't think you can be saved. But uh, <laughs> I think you're beyond redemption, mate. If even the Jehovah's Witnesses are giving up on you, that's yeah. not a good sign. Give me that leaflet back. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weirding out when I opened the door. And I was wearing these weird glasses as well. Oh, wow. And, and you know you know when you're in the middle of doing something and you just don't think it's weird at all? Yeah. They were so weirded out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of silliness like that. So it's a very, very silly show, but lots of fun. Yeah. Lots of fun. And how are you enjoying it as a performer? Does it, does it get, I mean, we're on day four of the Fringe, so yeah, does it get tiring? It is, it is tiring, but it's, um, it's really... F- it's it's, I mean it's physically really tiring. I mean the show, as I said, you, you, I mean with stand up you're on stage for an hour, but this I'm running around and changing and kind of getting up and getting down and it is I mean actually quite it's quite a workout, which is good. It's really it's invigorating. Um, the diff, the difficult parts are I suppose over the month that can be uh, that can get a little bit exhausting, but. That's what Edinburgh is, really, um, and I really like it. And the audiences are there to give you energy, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as long as you're giving your all, and you know they tend to give it back to you, and so it sort of works, uh, it creates its own momentum. I think um, I used to take days off, like one or, one or two days off um, in past years, but I don't really like taking days off now because if you take that, you have that break, then suddenly um, you sort of lose, lose momentum. Um, so this year I'm just trying to do as many gigs as I can I uh, might do some other bits of stand-up around the place and things like that that's really interesting because you never really think because you see the breaks in the schedule like mm, mm-hmm. you see there's a few days off and you think the performer must be so happy to have those few days but you never really think of it as being a momentum breaker yeah yeah I mean uh, some venues like the one I'm in so they force you to have one day off because the venue is having a, a, a a day off which of course is totally fair they're all working really hard but other venues they say hey you can go throughout the whole month a few years ago we made uh, my pr- previous sketch group i was in a sketch group called wit tank and we made the decision we were going to do every day and we were doing two shows on some days and it was completely it was just necessary to keep that going 
Um, because as soon as you have a, a day off or two days off, suddenly it all comes crashing down. It's like the day after the fringe ends. You, you just stop and then suddenly you collapse for a month. Um, that's it. You get ill and you can't get, you're, just, you're, you're gone. So I think it's really good to just keep, keep going, keep going. It's, it's a marathon, really. Yeah. Um, but it's a really fun, wet, cold, stressful marathon that you come and do every year. And you feel bad if you miss it. Uh, and it's, uh, you're, you're terrified of it, but you love it. You're addicted to it. I mean, it's great. It's a drug, the Edinburgh Festival, but um, I'm hooked. Nans, where can people find out more about you online and about the show? So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Naz underscore Osmanilo. Uh, good luck trying to spell the name. I mean, it's ridiculous, but there is only one of me. Um, or you can go on my Facebook page and you can buy tickets at edfringe.com. It's called Scandinavland at Just the Tonic at the Caves. And I'm on at 10 to 5. There you have it. Thank you so much, Naz. Peter, thank you very much. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Naz's show is called Scandinavaland, and he's performing it at just the fancy room, which, by the way, ladies, is what I've uh, I've called my bedroom. If you if you're listening, he is performing up at the caves from the tenth and the eleventh of August, with a day off until the thirteenth. Then from the thirteenth until the sixteenth, with another day off until the eighteenth, and then from the eighteenth until the twenty fifth. Now from Naz, we go over and we talk to Simon Brodkin, who some of you may know better as Lee Nelson. He's on this show. Take a listen. I'm here at the Edinburgh Fringe. This is the Peter Greenwood Show. Hello. Could you tell me your name and what you do, please? <laughs> My that name. was very flirty. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and it was flirty when it was um, a little bit blind date there. Uh, my name's Simon Brodkin, and I am addicted to comedy. Um, so yeah, my name is Simon Brodkin. I'm a comedian, and most people probably know me through my characters, mm-hmm. Nelson, Nelson. Uh, Jason Bent, or some of the pranks I've done, giving Theresa May the P45, or sharing <laughs> banknotes over Set Blatter. But this year, that's all now being put mm-hmm. to one side for a run at the Edinburgh Festival called 100% Simon Brodkin, and it's me on stage doing stand-up, no characters, no pranks, and, uh, yeah, saying what I really think, telling people about me and the things that mean something to me, and all in a very funny way. That's all you can ask for, as long as it's funny. (laughs) Exactly, yes. None of the joke levels are being cast aside, even though Lee is no longer with me. Yeah. This may sound terribly rude, and we've just met, and I do not wish to insult you, but do (laughs) do you miss the characters? At all yet. Dude, if you think that's rude, you are the politest man I have ever met. That's not rude <laughs> at all. That's a very nice question. Do I miss the characters? Um, no. I would say the fact that I've done Lee for so long, for so many years, there's a whole set of muscle memory there to do with performing and to do with engaging. And at first, when I was sort of learning this new craft, it might not sound new to someone who's thinking, yeah, but you've done Lee on stage for over 10 years, so what's there to be new about doing yourself? It is completely different. Yes, it's the same thing, it's stand-up, but one being a character, inhabiting a completely different person, coming from a completely different mindset, and having a completely different way of walking, talking, thinking, um, and then going to yourself where it is you and what you really sound like, how you really feel. It's like if I was playing in goal for most of my life, uh, the manager said, uh, Edinburgh, this year, um, I want you to play in midfield. 
and I'm keeping on jumping on the ball and trying to pick it up. So it's this, yes, it's stand up, but it is completely different skill set. And when I was first getting my head around that, it, it's incredibly difficult. Like every new stand up experience is how do you walk, how do you hold, what do you say? And then I think I probably did miss Lee occasionally because it was there, it was easy. I knew it could be done. And the temptation to sort of go, oh, I just, I, it feels like it was doing it with one arm tied behind my back because I knew I could do it, but in a different way. But um, like anything worth doing, it ain't easy. And it's been fun and I'm getting there and I'm having a good time and um, it's, uh, nearly sold out the run and had some nice reviews and leaving punters happy. Especially because you have been doing Lee for so long, as you said, because I remember when Lee Nelson first came out and there were so many people who were like, is, the, is this a real person? Is this, What is this? I don't, I don't get this. And as I said, was it hard to leave Lee behind and find out who Simon was as a performer? Absolutely, yes. Um, and when Lee did come on the scene, yeah, a lot of people, I take that as a, as a compliment and that people, I was so convincing in the performance that people like, is he for real? Um, and I, you know, inhabited Lee and uh, as time goes, you have to kind of update him and move him on and change him a little bit. And after doing him for 10 years, became more a persona that I could just switch on. So absolutely, when I was first doing myself, it was like, oh my God, well, what do I think what do I say how do I sound with a microphone even little things how do I hold the microphone I'd hold the microphone 10 years as Lee Nelson oh my god that's not but that's not how I would little tiny things like that all the way to what do I actually want to say and how do I want to come across yeah and what's been the best part about finding out who Simon is as a performer <laughs> um, the best part of it is liberating to be able to say and talk about things that actually mean something to you. Um, the stakes are a little higher. I guess your balls are on the line more, but that is makes it more rewarding as well as a little more risky um, because one can always hide behind going, well, I, I'm, I didn't really say that. That was the character saying that, yeah. and the, that that's true. And even with interaction with the audience, you can get away with so much more as a character. And I thought, I didn't kind of realize just that disparity when I first started because I would say things maybe that Lee might have said if there was a bit of audience engagement and the audience be like, this isn't the beginning of Edinburgh, by the way. This is months ago when I was doing stuff on the circuit and trying stuff out under the radar and just popping along doing five, ten minute slots here, there and everywhere on the London circuit. And the audience would not react kindly. And I'm like, I, I'm trying to work out, I see, because when I come on stage in character, there is a different agreement with the audience different arrangement they know it is pretend yeah. and so even if they weren't sure if it was for real or not it's such a heightened performance and it's so you know so it is not real and so when you then engage with the audience and tell them something unless let's say someone heckles then you put them down in a certain way what lee would have said is way too harsh way <laughs> too harsh for me to then say because suddenly it's like no he's a real person i'm saying there's real things and that was a bit mean yeah. uh, so that can be quite nice being because you can abuse people in all sorts of ways and everyone finds it funny <laughs> <laughs> and as you said you can always say oh sorry that was that was lee that said that it's not what i think well exactly you'd never say that but that's the unwritten contract that you have yeah. with the audience that they know that is not really what you think just like the pub landlord will do yeah. that you know and um he can get away with so much that he wouldn't be able to if he was actually saying this is not a character yeah simon where can people find out more about you online and about your show 
So, I mean, all the normal. We have got simonbrodkin.com. We have got Twitter at Simon Brodkin. We've got Instagram, Simon underscore Brodkin. We've got Facebook at Simon Brodkin. I have monopolised the at Simon Brodkins. Which is handy as it's your name. It is pretty handy. The coincidence when I found out that that's what someone had got for me. It was a real treat. (laughs) (laughs) And I must ask, is Lee coming back anytime soon? Great question. Lee hasn't ever gone away completely. I've just come to the end of a huge tour Mm -hmm. um, as Lee. And during that tour, over the last few months of that, because it was a monster tour, 180 dates, I was able to start writing and thinking about doing stuff as me. But no, Lee hasn't gone away. And um, he'll be back. Um, He wouldn't have a ticket selling for just £10, though. Right. He is um, a slightly more desirable act at the moment than me and can commandeer upwards of 30 to £32.50. I'm still on the £12 to £15.50 range. My yep. aim is to, uh, to usurp Lee as ticket price. You'll get there, Simon. <laughs> Thank you, mate. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Absolute pleasure. Simon's show is called 100% Simon Brodkin and he's playing the Baby Grand at the Pleasance Courtyard from the 10th and the 11th with a day off then from the 13th until the 24th. Next, Baby Want Candy is a show at the top of the fringe and it's sold out and with pretty good reason. Nathan Jansen, he joined me and we discussed many things. It was a twofer. One of the things we discussed was Baby Wants Candy and another was thrown the musical. We discussed two things. Take a listen. This is the Peter Greenwood Show. I'm here at the Edinburgh Fringe with a gentleman who is starring in a show called Baby Wants Candy. Hello, Nathan. Hello. How are you today, sir? Are you uh, well? I'm doing just fine. It's been a busy day so far. I've already hit my 10,000 steps, and it's well done. barely even the afternoon. So, Although that being said, in Edinburgh, the entire place is a massive hill. So Yes. It's not so much the steps, it's the effort you put into it. So really, you've done about 15,000, I would say. That's what my body's telling me. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the show. It's called Baby Wants Candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me about that. What is, what is Baby Wants Candy? Uh, well, uh, a lot of people ask us about the name, and I'll be honest that I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the best explanation I heard for it was... Uh, that uh, the candy is the spotlight, and we're all the performers of the baby, so we're oh. all just just vying for that spotlight and the yeah. attention from the crowd. Um, but it's a it's an improvised musical, so the audience shouts out at the top of the show. We we uh, ask for suggestions of titles of musicals that don't exist. The audience shouts out a bunch. We try to hear a couple and then have uh, the audience vote on it, so that they know that the show is truly in their hands. They're making the decision for like what's about to happen uh so we get the title and then uh the band starts playing they're improvising as well they just they hear the title and our our uh music direct musical director just you know he he makes a decision kind of inspired by that title starts playing and we we just uh we just jump right into making a full-blown musical on the spot it's kind of insane how fun and also terrifying is that um it's gotten the more I've done it, the less terrifying it becomes. Um, but it's still it's still thrilling every time. Like it's always, especially here because the audiences are so energetic and so excited to see you that it makes you even more excited to do the show. It's it's just a blast. It's really fun every time, even when it's work. It's fun. Okay. That's something I. I was very curious about because sometimes you get audiences, specifically at the start of a show, who they're a bit timid, they don't quite know how to open up. Does that happen at the Fringe or is everybody just ready for it? Um, it happens elsewhere. Uh, it, I, 
very seldom does it happen at the fringe. Um, although we did, uh, we did a couple years back. We went to the Adelaide Festival, right. and it was our first year there. And so we we go through our whole opening spiel, and we're like, "All right, so just shout out on the count of three, just shout out the title of a musical that doesn't exist." One, two, three, total silence, and then one person in the back <laughs> just goes, "Grease." And we're like, uh, okay, okay, cool, cool, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that you must know. have been challenging. Uh, it, was, it was fun, and then somebody else, thankfully, uh, was like, Fifty Shades," and we're like, "Great, here is Fifty Shades of Grace," and then <laughs> try to oh, uh, do an amalgamation of the two. Yeah, yeah, it was a little less racy than the original Grace. So. Yeah. Oh, the, the original Grease is filthy. Pretty much, yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of people think, oh, it's a nice family-friendly movie. It is filthy. Oh, yeah. It's it's a bunch of 40-year-olds hanging out at a high school. It's yeah. very gross. So, what's bit... And uh, this is kind of a low-hanging fruit of questions, and I apologize for oh, asking yeah. you. What's the most kind of obscure thing that somebody shouted out, or the most random thing that somebody shouted out? Has there ever been anything where somebody shouted it, and you're like... I don't know how to do that. Oh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> uh, it goes everywhere from like overly convoluted uh, to just out of nowhere bizarre. Um, once, uh, the, the one of the most memorable ones was uh, uh, someone, the title that we ended up doing was 116 and Pregnant, colon, Betty White versus Mike Tyson. So that was. <laughs> There's a lot there. There's a lot there. They were trying to write the show. Uh, it ended up being a really fun show. Uh, it's sort of somewhat surprisingly to me of like, oh, that's a lot of work, but uh, the cast, you know, is 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 wonderful. So it ended up being a lot of fun. Uh, last year, I believe, um, we got a title that always sticks with me because there was just this man who just goes, "Who ate my lizard?" <laughs> Delivered it like just like that, but like a little thicker in the Scottish. Yeah. And we were all like, this is hilarious. And thankfully, the audience voted for it. And we're like, I don't know what to do with this, but man, is it a fun place to start. Who ate my lizard? Wow. I'm trying to think how you'd... I'm, I'm not an improviser. I don't claim to be. But I'm trying to think what you would do with something called Who Ate My Lizard? Yeah, I honestly don't remember a ton of what we did. I think we started as lizards in a cage and we were like one of us had disappeared. We we're trying to use a murder mystery, basically, I think. Does that happen a lot the more you do these shows where somebody will say, oh, what was what was last night's show like? And you're like, I cannot remember. Oh, all the time. We we keep a list going of every title that we get at the Fringe because if we don't, we'll try to remember back and be like, what show was that? And we're like, I have no idea there. it's You're just doing so many that it, it kind of it blends together a little bit. Do you ever get a kind of, oh, what's the word I'm searching for, a kind of common answer, something that everybody will sh- shout out at least once a show? Or variations of the theme. Um, well, we—I mean, we only take suggestions at the one part, just at the just at the beginning. So it sort of limits the the window for for that. Um, but there are definitely some titles that we have gotten multiple times, not necessarily at the fringe, but just you know, I've been doing the show for ten yeah. years. Like every now and then, it happens, um, and you just do your best to to uh, Take a different approach, find a different angle, do something, do something new and, and different. Not just, not just for your sake, but for the audience, so that they're they're getting fresh, actual, you know, improv. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you and the show online? Um, well, there's babywantscandy.com. Uh, 
I believe. <laughs> I, hope I, I hope I'm not messing that up. Um, we've also got, uh, uh, we're on social media, you know, uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, I think Instagram, maybe. Um, we've also uh, uh, got a podcast online as well that we oh, really? do um, improvised. Uh, we do like just a live recording. Live recording? I don't know. That's that's an oxymoron. <laughs> but we, we, yeah, we start a tape. Everybody's just kind of circled around. We've got a, a guy on a keyboard and just improvise a musical in real time and, and put that up. That sounds so much fun. Can I come yeah. be on the podcast sometime? <laughs> uh, I'm not. A, I've only been on it once, actually. <laughs> I've, I'm ten years in, and I've only been invited once. So Aww. that's that's where the the waiting line is long. But I'd love I to have you in there. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, are we talking at all about Thrones? Yes. I okay. I'm sorry. I didn't. So I'll let you do your job, man. It's I'm okay. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> you bring up a good point, though, because you also do Thrones, which is a. Uh, it's marketed as fixing the final season. Season, right? Um, Tell me a little bit about that. What is Thrones? Uh, so it's a musical parody of Game of Thrones, um, and it was it was born, I believe, about six or seven years ago, um, and it's evolved with every season. Like I believe this is our fifth year bringing it to Fringe. Right. Um, I believe that's right, and uh, yeah, every year like we make. We make changes to it. The the writers were always writing. I mean, the first year we did it, they were writing through the through the second week of it. They, you know, we were handed a song yeah. two days before opening night. <laughs> and they're like, "Here, this is ninety names of characters in it. Learn it real fast." So um, that's kind of always been with it of like evolving to to include more and more of the television show. And so this this past one was was pretty significant for the fans and there's a lot of a lot of sentiment uh you know it's a divisive season some people love it some people hate it uh and we tried to kind of oh they're really going at it it's all going on here isn't it (laughs) uh it's the fridge man um we tried to show up there yeah yeah that's that's just a show it's just drilling the musical drill a piece of wood for an hour (laughs) um it's got four stars though so it's i recommend it um what was I saying? Oh yeah, so uh, so it was a very divisive season, a lot of a lot of big feelings on it. So we kind of tried to give a voice to all of all of those feelings, um, more the the writers' feelings. <laughs> the yeah. Sort of the disappointment is certainly there a little bit, but it's 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 a passion project. Like everybody loves the show, so we do our best to put that love into it. So it's sometimes it's mocking, but most often it's it's satire and parody. It's said um, with love. Yeah, it's said with love. And uh, there's a good amount of sentiment in, in the show as well, which is nice. Um, we have two like totally brand new numbers this year that were just written uh, since the last season w- ended, like just a couple months ago. So it's uh, it's fun to, to bring something new and fresh into this show that is, has been here several times. And what do Thrones fans think of it? Do you ever get any, shall we say, disappointed <laughs> audience members? Uh like, of our show or of, like, Thrones itself? Thrones, I mean. Okay. Uh, you know, I if if they are, they, they haven't been vocal to me about it. Um, but, I mean, I'm sure there, there are people out there. You know, you can't, you certainly can't please every, everyone. You certainly can't please everyone. I can't please anyone, but in general. How much, what am I trying to ask here? When it comes to putting together a show about Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones is 
a massive, multi-layered, complex thing. How much do you take from the TV show or from the books, and how and do you ever weave the two together? Oh yeah, we. Um, in fact, one of the one of the characters in the show is uh, a book lover. So like, he's the guy who's read all the books and kind of talks down to everyone else for having only watched the show because we all we all have that friend. I'm that friend in my circle group. Um, so. There's definitely there's definitely some book stuff. It's primarily oriented towards the television show, um, but yeah, every author has read. Like we've, they've all read all the books. I've read all the books. Like there there are some super fans in the group, so we we try to bring that into it a little bit. But it's also such a massive well to pull from that it's you only get a taste of, yeah. of some things. Although in theory, because Game of Thrones is so massive, and the fact the is it Vanette, is there how many books are still to come? I know there's one more coming. I've no oh, idea. Beyond yeah, that. At, at, at least two, I think. So you could you could theoretically keep it going forever. I mean, yeah, that's the that's the hope. I think uh, <laughs> is that we can all ride this way for for the rest of our lives. Um, yeah, I guess theoretically, yeah. Um, I I think it'll play as long as people want want to see it. You know, and and hopefully there will always be fans out there. So where can people find out more about Thrones the Musical? That's a great question that I am super prepared for. Uh, it's thronesmusical.com uh, or at the festival website. Yeah, both of those work. And have you ever found out if anybody from Game of Thrones has seen it or if they know about this? Uh, there are a couple people actually here. Um, who's it? The actor that plays... Uh, the actors uh, that play Gendry and... I want to say hot pie. I'm not sure. Somebody else ran into them the other day, so I know they're at the festival. And then uh, what's his name? Mike uh, Gleason, Jack Gleason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was here in past years. Um, I don't know if he's seen it or not. Uh, I know that um, that character was was a bit of a, a sore spot for him, but uh, uh, I, I know that he he likes Game of Thrones. So it'd be our dream to have somebody come to it because again, it's all in love. We we absolutely love the show and the people in it. Thank you for your time right, today. Thank you so much. It really was a pleasure. Baby Wants Candy is playing up at Studio One, up at the studios at George Square from the 9th until the 25th. And Thrones the Musical is playing at the Gordon Aikman Theatre at the Assembly George Square from the 9th until the 25th. Next up, I spoke to someone who I wanted to speak to for at least Eight months now. She is a returning guest on the show, Sarah Swire, who you'll remember from Anna and the Apocalypse. And she brought along Scottish heartthrob, acting legend, and man who we were sure we'd met before, Alan McHugh. This is the Peter Greenwood Show. I am here at the Edinburgh Fringe at Brooks Bar with a couple of people who, when I first got involved in this day, these were the people who I originally contacted about. And it's all spiralled out of control, it's all gone mad, but... These people are the people who I came in here to speak to. Could you introduce yourselves and tell me what you do, please? Uh, my name is Sarah Swire, and I play Kid in the play, and I'm also the musical director. Hi, hello, I'm Alan McHugh. I play the character of Boss in the play, If You're Feeling Sinister, and sing and dance and do everything <laughs> that Sarah Swire tells me to. No. <laughs> How are you today? You well? Yeah, really yeah, good. Good, just on the on the happy rock and roll roller coaster now, you know, shows every day, and so it's, it's not a treadmill, but it's just a conveyor belt, it's every day, So, but it's great, wouldn't have it any other way. How did the show come together? Because it's based on a Bell and Sebastian song, 
how did this all come about? What, what's its story? Um, it started with uh, Avalon had contacted uh, Paul Brotherston, who is the director, who is a brilliant, brilliant human, um, to create a piece of original, new original material for the Fringe. Um, and then Paul then reached out to Eve Nichol, who is the playwright, uh, another brilliant mind, and to myself. Um, and from there we, or at least Paul and Eve conspired to make a play around the album If You're Feeling Sinister by Bell and Sebastian. Um, and throw it up hard against a contrasting uh, style, which ended up being the heist genre. So you have a very uh, iconoclastic album um, uh, being explored through the narrative of a heist, and it's been a fun time thus far. <laughs> it was somebody in the audience yesterday described it to me. I said, what did you think of it? They said, I'd say it was... Genre-wise, it was a mix between Beckett's Waiting for Godot and Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> I said, I'll take that. Yeah. Oh, there's a title there, Waiting for Doggett. Could be, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Up here for thinking, down there for dancing. Speaking of dancing, did you choreograph, because you're a choreographer as well, Sarah. Yeah. Did you choreograph this as well? There's not really any choreography. <laughs> um, no, but there's a, there's a little, there's a little... Uh, We've got a lovely stylized La La Land Yeah, piece. there's like, there's a lot of, it's, high, it's a high stylized, highly stylized play, and there's like little moments and flourishes of movement. But I wouldn't say at all that I, I choreographed it. I, I not I tipped that cap towards that direction when it's when it was useful. But Basically, I, Sarah got me to put my left foot in front of the right foot at the right time. It was fun. I yeah. love dancing with you. You're the best. <laughs> How did you get involved in the show, Helen? I I get an email from my agent saying, I want, are you interested in getting involved in this? Because Paul, the director, had uh, got in touch with my agent and said, we really want Alan to do this. I got a one-line thing and was very little information otherwise, other than it was a, a musical play uh, developing around uh, Bill and Sebastian's album. And I went, God, yes, find out more. And then got in touch with Paul and Paul and I met in Oren Moore for a very long afternoon and shared many thoughts about it. And by nine o'clock at night, we'd gone away best friends and had signed up forever. So he sold it to me. I mean, for, even before I spoke to him, I, I was so keen to get involved uh, for many reasons. One, Paul's reputation, Sarah's reputation, the album, and even the profile that Avalon and BBC Arts would bring to it. I thought we were on to a winner from the start. It does sound like a fascinating story, especially based around the Bell and Sebastian album. Was it hard extracting where the, the characters should be? And what they should be. How many times did you listen to the album while you were researching it? Well, that's that's Eve's work, right? So uh, she took like she's so brilliant. Like just every single concept of this production has been born out of uh, a motif or some sort of I don't know. Uh, there's so many the Bell and Sebastian like. Um, uh, discography is so rich with characters and so rich with narrative and like specifically this album has a lot of very prevalent themes in it which are sometimes hard to pick out because the music is so gorgeous and recognizable but it's met up and slammed again really hard against Stuart Murdoch's very sp specific and oftentimes very dark and macabre lyrics um, and from that uh, derived this narrative and these two characters and where the story went and it's all of it can be pinned back down to a lyric from or a set of lyrics, or a phrase, or a stanza from the album. It's really, really brilliant work. <laughs> and this is kind of a low-hanging fruit question. How much, how familiar were you with Bell and Sebastian before? 
Well, personally, be, being a Glasgow boy and being music being possibly the main part of my life, you know, from a you know a social recreational point of view, my whole life, uh, Bell and Sebastian have loomed large in my life for you know twenty five years. And it does sound like an easily made up cliche, but I've got every single one of their albums. I've seen them play many times. I know them inside out. So, God, it was like, you know, it was a no I hate the phrase no brainer, but it was a no brainer for me. And I knew the album inside out, you know, before I was even approached. So, I mean, I can't tell you how fortunate I feel just for this to have landed in my plate. I, I've been working with Bill and Sebastian on and off now since I graduated. Because um, I did. I worked with them on God Help the Girl, and then I went on tour with them for uh, like a spotty little tour with them for about a year, doing choreographing their live show, um, and I kind of owe them everything. <laughs> <laughs> like I honestly wouldn't have the career that I have right now, which is oftentimes very like unconventional but extraordinarily satisfying. Um, yeah, I literally would not be speaking to you right now, Peter. <laughs> if it wasn't for them, I really owe them the world. And what's the show going to do out of the fringe? Is it touring? Well, it's one of these things that's up in there. I mean, uh, we know that Avalon are very pleased with the show. They've got high hopes for it. And all the chats we've had, I think they're looking upon the whole fringe thing as the first step in a developmental process. Uh, because at the moment, we, we see it as we've got a 55-minute slot and we've had to cut so much from you know the show over the last four weeks to get into that. So we reckon it's a, a basically a one-hour-20 musical that we've managed to cram into 55 minutes and I think the hope in the perfect world is that through development work over the coming months that next year the, we would like and they would like you know to develop this into you know a bigger better touring version mm -hmm. but nothing's definite yet it's all for the future yes <laughs> where can people find out more about you online and more about the show on the Avalon website, I believe there's information, I'm just mm -hmm. getting a nod, yes. And then on the Fringe website, the Gilded Balloon website, anything associated with this uh, festival. Um, and, you know, Twitter. Yeah. Avalon Theatre. Avalon Theatre. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. You say it. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the. Uh, at Avalon Theatre would be like the uh, Twitter handle. No. no? At Avalon Twitter. Theatre. Theatre. <laughs> This has gone well. This man doesn't oh use any for social media. I don't, I don't, I, I use, you ask how people can find out me, Peter, I don't do any social media at all. Right. So you wouldn't find me anywhere. Uh, but just yell out the window, Oi, Alan! That's it, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. it's very true. Do you want a job? I'll be <laughs> there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, at Avalon Theatre, um, uh, there's the, if you're feeling sinister, uh, I think it's a hashtag for the play. Um, but yeah, it's, Twitter would be like a, a main kind of source to go and look for it. And if you're looking to buy tickets, just Google it, man. You know, Google Ed is French, there. if you're feeling sinister, it's there. <laughs> Sarah and Alan, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. It's my nice pleasure. Again. Cheers, Peter. I should point out, by the way, that, uh, Listeners of the show will know that Sarah and I have interacted before. Yeah. At the start of the year, <laughs> I did a Anna and the Apocalypse special, and Sarah was kind enough to give me her time, Ben. So it's fantastic to see you in person. Yes, it's so nice to meet you in person. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Sarah great? She's just one of the best human beings ever. And Alan and I had the impression we'd met before, but neither of us could remember where. So if you happen to know where Alan and I had met before, please feel free to get in touch with us. <laughs>
Uh, if you're going along to see it, you can see it at the Gilded Balloon. It is downstairs. It's at the Gilded Balloon Patterhouse from the 9th of August until the 11th, then from the 15th until the 26th. Finally today, Kieran Dowd, he joined me, and the first thing we had to get clear was, who exactly is Padre Rodolfo? Yeah, my name's Kieran Dowd, uh, and I've got a show up here called Padre Rodolfo. Padre Rodolfo? Yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. Because I've been, I've, I've gone through all the info for everyone coming in today, and I saw it, and I was like, Padre Rodolfo? I don't think it's, it's, I haven't made it easy for the, for the punters to, uh, yeah. but I mean, even, even last year's show, last year's show was called Don Rodolfo, and I still think written down, I think when you sort of hear in context, oh, it's sort of like uh, Don Juan or Don Quixote, you kind of go, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. but then just seeing Don Rodolfo, the words, it just kind of looks confusing, and Padre, I haven't made it any easier. <laughs> so this Rodolfo character has gone from being a Don to a Padre. Yeah, he's sort of uh, this year turning his back on his old lifestyle and trying to be a better man, um, but he sort of he has these demons inside him that he can't quite get rid of, um, and it's uh, him just sort of going on a new adventure, this time as a priest, um, but he starts working for a kind of a department within the Vatican that are kind of demon hunters, and uh, and it becomes a sort of a supernatural action adventure type show. Is that your kind of show? Is that what you would come and see if you were up here at the Fringe? It'd be a real shame if it wasn't. It'd be a real shame <laughs> if I hated it. <laughs> um, that would be, uh, especially as you're here for a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'll be a tough month to get through. No, uh, yeah, I, I really like that. Uh, I like character stuff. I, you know, some of the, some of my favourite sh- shows up here have been people like Adam Riches, who sort of managed to mesh the kind of theatricality with... Uh, I mean, it's not stand-up, but it's got such a high joke rate and hit rate but it's sort of in the context of uh of of a bigger sort of a bigger idea more theatrically told you can he's doing a character but he's not ever fully the character you can see the man and the comedian behind the character and i think that's what i try and do as well how long have you been working on this iteration of the show this iteration i think i did the first version in um February, but it's changed so much across uh, that amount of time. Um, I, I started out in the Vaults Festival down in London, and uh, but I was sort of rewriting and changing like whole half hours, 40 minutes. I'd, I'd say from that original thing, there's maybe 15, 20 minutes of the show, and, and not exactly in the form that it was in before. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's been a slightly long process. Um, but yeah, and, and, and still working on it now. There's still little tweaks, little changes that are, are happening all the time. And how much will the show change from the first performance to the last performance? I would say, um, well, from the very first performance, it's already got a new ending. Uh, so the last five minutes are completely different. Um, and that happened in the first sort of three days, um, which are sort of technically the previews, technically when you're supposed to be... Um, making any changes like that. From now on, it'll be tiny little tweaks. Uh, so it's, it's had an initial sort of biggish change, and now it'll have uh, just little things, and when I find better ways of, of doing something or playing something or a new joke comes to me or uh, anything like that, we'll, it'll, it'll all keep getting better, but fractionally. Now, while we were getting set up, you were chatting to our last guest. Yes. And he mentioned a song... Oh, there's songs. Yes. Don't worry. If you're worried there's not songs, there's songs. I was paranoid. Nothing in my life is complete unless there's a song. I don't oh, go to the bathroom without uh, a song. Yeah, he's got a big theme tune. Um, and it's it's a real earworm. Um, people like it. it, it they, they go out 
and I get a lot of people sort of coming up to me afterwards saying they can't get it out of their head, they can't sleep at night, they just lay there in the dark hearing it over and over. Is that kind of what you wanted to do with the show? Ruin their lives, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I get, along with songs, I feel like there should be at least one life-ruining event every day. Oh, God, yeah. And, and that is what you'll get at 9.45 in the upstairs. <laughs> How have you been enjoying being at the Fringe? Well, it feels very early to enjoy it. I don't think you're allowed to enjoy the first bit. I think you're supposed to be working. Um, but it will get it'll get more fun. I, I'm already enjoying performing the show more now that I'm sort of getting comfortable, getting comfortable in the space. Like you're sort of thrown in very quickly. Not a lot of time to sort of work in the space in the tech and stuff like that. So just f- finding new stuff and finding ways of doing stuff and playing with the different audiences and playing with uh, all that stuff is is it's getting more of that and. Uh, and so I'm really enjoying performing the show now, and um, and audiences are liking it. And I think n- now that I've made the big changes that I want to, I think I can start to just relax and enjoy more, see more shows, and um, have more drinks. Do you get a lot of time to go and see other shows as a performer? I have a lot of time because, in theory, I'm only doing one hour of a show every day. But that's not strictly true. It take I, it takes me. I've got so much set and props and costume that it takes me an hour and a half to probably set up. Before that, I'm doing interviews throughout the day. Also, just doing things like warming up and being in the right headspace to do it. I kind of feel like I can't see much in the maybe three to four hours before my show, which is kind of prime time for Edinburgh shows. So I can sort of see stuff in the afternoon. By the time I'm finished, there's very little still going on, so um, I, so I'm not seeing stuff late at night. So I have a window where I can see stuff, but I don't get to see as much as I'd like. Where can people find out about you and the show online? Uh, they can get tickets at the Pleasance and at the Ed Fringe website, and they can find me on at Kieran underscore Dowd on Twitter and. Uh, I forgot my Instagram. Oh, it's okay. so bad at, I'm so bad at social media. But you can find me. If you, you, you type in Kieran Dad, you'll find me. Go find go find him. He'd love you find to. Find me, please. <laughs> Especially when he's in the bathroom. He'd love that. Oh, please. <laughs> Kieran, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Padre Rodolfo is playing from the 9th until the 13th, and then from the 15th until the 25th of August upstairs at the courtyard at the Edinburgh Fringe and that ladies and gentlemen boys and girls is where we're leaving it for today because tomorrow is the final episode of this Fringe special and I've got oh hey I'm Steve Bajaya and saving the best for last I've got Frank Skinner can you believe it on this little show that is for tomorrow this is for today and I'll see you then bye every single bye bye